the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time is 6.16 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Four lines open if you want to join our conversation on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Sarah, thank you for the contribution. We are very close. Let me go to line one and talk with Daniel in Sonoma. Daniel, are you there? Yes, um... I was wondering, Pastor Jesse, if you want me to approach this as a game, because surprisingly to me, I had only like two or three in mind when I called in, and then uh, the paradigm sort of brought about eight or nine to mind. It's a very strong paradigm in the Bible. I didn't entirely catch your definition, but you expanded on it about 15 minutes ago, so I got that part of, of what you uh Defined as a whistleblower, but should I start with a couple of the ones that I thought of? Absolutely, man, because now what we're going to do is be able to see kind of how providence works to protect and preserve our world from calamities and events that God in his, in his, predestinating purpose has allowed us contingencies among men and women of uh, of, of a free uh, agency uh, exercising nefarious uh, practices to to if you will seek to thwart God's um, uh, prophetic and uh, preceptive will so so what uh, what events are you talking about okay let's go back to when when uh, David had died and Rehoboam had taken over, and then you had uh, Jeroboam because of the uh, tax situation, which a lot of people are aware of in the Bible, uh, what uh, occurred was that um, Jeroboam set up false worship. Yep. So we have this unnamed man of God who went and told Jeroboam what was going to become of the of the altar. Yep, around First Kings 13, got it? That was a the powerful omen and prophecy of the judgment of God exposing him. He was indeed a whistleblower. Go ahead on. All right. Now we've got uh, the case of uh, rebuking uh, Jeroboam later when he was going to, his son was going to die. That was, uh, I believe, Elijah or Elisha, one of them, uh, playing the obvious role. And then Micah and uh, Hosea, chapters 8 and 9, they're coming out with uh, information, and they're, they're putting down specific examples, which is making general statements about the culture, but they were giving, um, you know, if it was a modern newspaper, they would have the details along with the headlines. I agree, and at that point, you're operating, you're, you're actually speaking to a prominent role of the prophets. What's interesting about the persons you're speaking of, they're all prophets, and prophets in the Old Testament were lawyers for God. And so here is a theocratic framework or government of the people of God being led by secular, not secular, but human rulers who are supposed to be spiritual, and they are committing atrocities against the covenant of Yahweh, and the way that God would often intervene was to send his lawyers in 
and to blow the whistle on their conduct. Sometimes he would blow the whistle on the conduct of the people as well. I think that those are good examples of a whistleblowing scenario that in many cases, if they were not uh, dealt with, um, uh, impending doom would come upon the whole nation. I think those are great examples. Do you have any more? Yeah, I got I got um, one with a negative consequence happening to him would be Jeremiah, as well as Nicodemus, and then uh, what ne- the what negative what what negative outcome came to Nicodemus? John chapter eight, when he went and confronted the uh, the other Sadducees and Pharisees, they said, "Search and see if there's any prophet arising from Galilee." You know, are you one of his people that are demeaning Nicodemus in that statement? But also, yes, there was a prophet from Galilee named uh, Jonah. Yep. So uh, they were being really foolish in the way that they responded to Nicodemus. And uh, I agree with you in this regard, because what you're saying is really interesting, fascinating. That's chapter seven, by the way, of the Gospel of John. I love that book. Um, Nicodemus was indeed being a whistleblower of a sort. Uh, only of a sort, but uh, definitely in the role of the prophet, right? Warning the uh, Sanhedrin, the lawyers, uh, about following protocol. You don't judge a man before you hear him out fully. And so he was exposing their vitriol and hatred, which was moving in a trajectory of what we will be celebrating this Friday and Sunday, um, a kangaroo court to assassinate the son of God. Uh, and he did expose him. I, I, I actually like those texts, man. I really do. I really do. I appreciate that because it does bring some light to the tension between governing powers and people on the ground um, and someone having to be a hero villain, if you will, um, for matters to be exposed. I, I, I think those are great. I think those are good examples. And I think that has shed some more light on the scriptures. Uh, by the way, then, you know, we might very well make Jesus Christ the ultimate villain hero for exposing the whole world for plotting against God, according to Psalm 2, verse 1, 2, and 3, etc. Uh, in that sense, because as he says, I am the light of the world. If I had not come into to the world to expose you, then, you know, you had not sinned, but I've come. And because of that, we're exposed for being treasonous against a holy and righteous God and seeking to take over his kingdom by the uh, nefarious work of a dark entity called Satan. And in that light, um, the whistleblower is a critically important component in freedom. That's what I want to move to. With Jesus Christ, we do have the negative uh, repercussions. Yep. Yeah, which I think is part of your definition that there's got to be a negative re- repercussion and threat right against the whistleblower. So, yep. uh well, and think about there that. They, and think about I'm going to let you go because I, I did have one central person and Sarah knocked on the door. But think about that. Now that we are moving over into a gospel paradigm, you guys, and I would have you guys to call and affirm uh, Daniel. And that's why I love Daniel calling because you know, we press deep into it. If, I knew there was something about my uh, villain hero paradigm. I took it all the way back, Daniel, if you were listening to me developing church history, because when you go through church history, we've got that villain hero paradigm working all the way through as well, exposing the church for many, many eras by individuals who ended up being killed for the cause of the gospel. So that paradigm runs all the way through. I think it's really the spirit of Christ uh, working in the world to expose the spirit of Antichrist uh, for the good of culture until ultimately that period of tribulation really does come. And uh, 
and things get really dark before Christ comes again. Thanks for the call. Let me go to line number two and talk with Roldy in San Jose. Roldy, are you there? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm great. What's your thoughts? Man, my thoughts right now are we are definitely in the days of Revelation right now, without a doubt. And like you said, I I believe also the number one whistleblower in the Bible was Jesus, because he was out there exposing all the rabbis that, you know, were preaching in public to be seen. Not necessarily, they weren't even following their law, and they were calling him out, saying he was not following their law when he just came to fulfill their law and show them how it was actually meant to be walked, you know? And I think exposing that, um, how, how much, uh, you know, even the Jews fell away from their own, uh, Torah. their own beliefs to follow a specific religion instead of walk with God at that time uh, made a lot of people really upset. And, uh, but he knew what he was doing. He knew he was going to get killed for it. Yep. He knew he was going to rise again. So, yep. Yep. I mean, he, he came knowing already what he needed to do. And he had a sense of human in him as well, because, you know, as much as he was the son of God, he was also the son of man. Not that he was born from Jacob. God definitely, you know, uh, put him in the womb. Yep. But, you know, he had, he had a, a sense of uh, humanity in him because God wanted to understand what it was like to be us. So we can never say that he didn't know what it was like to be us. I agree. Down to experience us. And I think as a whistleblower, Jesus came to expose you know, a wickedness of a generation, and he even was whistleblowing the future. He predicted what was to come. The future whistleblower as well, and that's what we're seeing right now. Um, As far as I know that you get into politics, I'd like to say, you know, this country, as much as I love America and everything, I love Jesus Christ more than anything. Amen. And uh, straight up, we are becoming a Babylon out here, and I know China is definitely more Babylon than we are, but we're becoming a Babylon out here. It doesn't take much. You just have to drive through San Francisco and see flags everywhere and be like, okay, this isn't right. Yep. And you know what? I, I, I don't hate anyone. I hate sin. I love yep. everybody. Yep. I, I agree. Sin, and I'm going to call it, I'm gonna call it how what I it? see it. And we're in a very lost time right now because what's happening is, uh, you know, Satan has control of the media. The people that are in control, since the beginning this country was founded upon, if you look at the Constitution, how many of those people were Freemasons? Yep. Freemasonry has no part in Christianity. Sure. Uh, a lot of people claim this, uh, this country is Christian, and, you know, there are a lot of Christians in this country, thank God, you know? But uh, That's part of the propaganda, man. That's part of the propaganda. You're, you're on a straight line to um, what we would call the apocalypse, the revelation. There's no doubt about it. We have the pseudo-Christian paradigm that started all the way back uh, at the, the post-Christian era. It made its way through Judaism as a, as a biblical paradigm. It went all the way through the Catholic Church. It's, uh, it's permeating American and European Christianity as well. I think the world is starting to see a lot of the inefficacy of uh, what I would call political Christianity. You're right on spot, uh, Raldi, with the uh, with the clarity. Two things, two great clarities that America is definitely fulfilling the biblical Babylonian uh, model of Revelation chapter 18, but also, and we, we're going to have to think this one through a little bit, brothers and sisters, Christ is the ultimate whistleblower. That's cool. I mean, that's just that's so right. It's so right. He has exposed the world 
of rebellion and treason against the most high God. Psalm two, verse one and two. Why doth the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Uh, they say, come, let us let us cut its cords from us and, 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 and break the bars of his captivity. We will not have the Lord to reign over us. That is what he came to do. Expose the fact that we are uh, in bondage to sin. We are under the control of Satan and liberation only comes by bowing the knee to the one true and living God in Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Excellent, brother. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. All the lines are open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Before I go to a break, uh, and then you guys can call back in. I'll share with you who I said it was, but I'm so glad that we're expanding on this because I think we can make a legitimate point. Or you may be able to challenge me if you want to, that uh, starting with Daniel and then moving to Roldy, and I will quickly affirm that the prophets of old were whistleblowers, and the quintessential whistleblower is the Lord Jesus, and uh, uh, and where the church is operating out of its prophetic and priestly office, we then are also whistleblowers because we have the gift of proclamation in the context of revelation. And wherever we properly expound the word of God as the lawyers of old for God, so the preachers of new uh, for us have the ability to let the world know uh, the diabolical agenda of uh, of the wicked one and uh, and stop men and women from perishing under treason against the most high God for which we are looking forward to Friday's worship around the tree upon which Christ was hung. We do not believe in a crucifix because he's not there. He's risen. And that is New Testament theology. We believe in an, uh, we believe in a risen, exalted, ascended and sessioned Lord whom God has made Lord of all Lord and Christ of all. And uh, it's from heaven that we uh, seek our our hope and joy in Messiah, Jesus Christ. And uh, we would trust that men and women would discover that reality on this Friday as well. If you don't have a place to worship, you are welcome to join us this Friday at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We will be opening our doors about six o'clock, getting at it at seven and uh, a robust worship and a grand central focus upon the sufferings of Christ and its gospel and redemptive application to you and me uh, in preparation for Sunday resurrection uh, morning and the jubilant expression of biblical truth around why Christ rose and what that means for us as well. I've got four lines open. All four, one triple eight, three six seven five three two nine. Thirty minutes to go, and we can talk about anything under the sun if you want to. I mean, within reason. One triple eight, three six seven five three two nine. I'm going to take a break, and when I come back, we'll have more on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. We are back. Three lines open. One triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine. If you want to join me, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. With any comment or our topic, you want to uh, help close out the program. With we have been dealing with whistleblowers, and we busted that thing wide open with uh, Daniel and then uh, Roldy as we have concluded that Christ is the ultimate whistleblower for our good. He's a villain and a hero, a hero to those of us who love his appearing. And have bowed the knee to him as Lord and Savior and have come to see the glory of God in the person of Christ. He's a villain to the rest of the world, even to our government, even to our institutions, even to our educational systems. He's mocked by our entertainment industry, but he's loved by the true people of God. He's even mocked in the church and in our seminaries. But in all reality, 
we believe him to be the revelation of the invisible God, the express image of the person of the one true and living God. He is the, 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 as one person put it today, he is the precise photo image of the invisible God. That's right. Jesus Christ. And uh, he came to blow the whistle. And when he blew the whistle, he paid the price to liberate all who would simply trust in him uh, by faith through grace. And that being a gift of God. You guys remember the Bernie Madoff, I think that's his name, the guy that uh, made about $18 billion in the Ponzi scheme in 2008. Well, it was a whistleblower, Frank Casey, who uh, implicated uh, Mr. Madoff. Uh, and if that hadn't happened, the whole uh, many Americans and people around the world getting caught up in that financial fraud uh, institution would have still uh, been been suckered by that man who knew how to make billions of dollars off the backs of naive people. Three lines open, one Let's go to line one and talk with Faye in Oakland. Faye, are you there? I am here. How are you, Pastor Jesse? I'm great. What's your question, comment, or observation? My my question is this. I am a black female, and I'm in my 50s, and I've been voting ever since I was old enough to vote um, mm-hmm. because my parents came from the, from the South, yep. Louisiana, and taught us the importance of voting. As well did um, mine. Yes. And so this past election, I voted between Donald Trump and uh, Hillary Clinton. I voted for Trump to the surprise and uh, amazement of most of my friends. Sure. Um, but my question is this. Um, Donald Trump says he's a Christian, but I've been following him and some of the comments and some of the statements and some of the things that he said, as well as his, uh, his cronies and, and, and mem- cabinet members, I I really regret voting for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I, I was voting for him because I said it's kind of the lesser of, of two, two evils. evils. Yep. But I want to know from your perspective, from a biblical perspective, what role or part do you think that the Donald Trump presidency pay, um, plays in this modern day society where the Bible is concerned? And I'll take my question off the air. Sure. Um So for years, I have been teaching that the Christian is not obligated to vote, being constrained by what we call the lesser of two evils principle. Um, For years, I've been saying that. And people hate it when I do it, but I I, I would still do it. Never uh, follow the, the multitude to do evil. Even if the multitude is the minority, that is to say, when you and I get trapped And I do not mind spending the rest of this program talking about the dialectical process that Hegel um, uh, developed as a prism by which to interpret the unfolding of world events. The dialectical process had been a paradigm for which businesses have operated and even religion has operated to create a thesis, antithesis, uh, consensus outcome for events. This is what we call managed conflict. Politics is nothing but managed conflict, managed conflict. And when you stay inside the box of managed conflict, it's like sports. You got people who just stay with a team because they've always been part of that team. No matter how bad that team is, no matter how unprincipled that team is, uh, the Patriots, 
Uh, people hate them and love them now. Why? Because they've been exposed for uh, nefarious behavior, for flattening the ball. Well, you probably can find that those kind of little things going on with all the teams. But let me go back to politics because it's so near and dear to many of us. And my sister Faye comes from the same neighborhood that my folks do, too. Louisiana, at least on my mother's side, Shreveport, Nagadish, Monroe. Uh, La- uh, Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, Lake Charles, and many other places to boot. And then my f- on my father's side, we are Texans, Houston, and Galveston, and and uh, Austin, and many different places around there where you'll find a bunch of guest stands. And uh, people take their uh, they take their their voting seriously because of the civil rights movement. My my wife's folks are from Alabama. I go there every two years with her for um, family reunion. And, uh, boy, you better not be anything other than a Democrat (laughs) if you're black in their minds. They're all Christian folks, too. But the moment you go to questioning the values, the uh, platform, the uh, the 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 platform of the Democrats from abortion all the way through same sex marriage and every other what we would call unbiblical un immoral platform that's that 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 dominates the democratic party now here comes the christian who's grown up african american or or, or minority and been told that uh, uh the democrats are right the republicans are wrong that's your dialectical process by the way Faye. And you, you start reading your Bible and you go, you know what, I'm, the last 10 elections, and J. Vernon McGee did it well, he said it well, the last 10 elections have laid it out fairly clearly. Uh, these people get put in the front through power, through money. I mean, you know, Donald Trump was able to you know, push right to the front fairly quickly because of his charismatic personality. I remember the time very clearly. Obama had outwelcomed his state. He had gotten in because he was black. I remember losing a few members at Grace Bible Church because I said, don't vote black. Vote biblical. Lost the family. I said, don't blow, vote black, vote biblical. Just because he's black doesn't make him right. And, and I remember back then plainly saying, Obama does not bear any of the fruits of a legitimate biblical Christian. None. Not when you go back through his history. And when you listen to him talk, whatever Christianity he appears to be advocating is so liberal and unbiblical that I don't even call it Christianity. Lost some black friends over it. Okay, that's the price you pay for the truth. And then we get to Donald Trump and the folks thought I was going to just, you know, because people listen to me and they assume, Faye, that I'm a Republican. Nothing could be further from the truth. I'm an independent because when I was a Republican many, many years ago under George W. Bush, I saw the machinery working back in that day, particularly when he won and didn't actually uh, accomplish what he said he would accomplish as well. And I went, oh, the Republicans, bunch of hypocrites, too. All right. Here's my fundamental point. The Christian is not bound to the dialectical uh, process of, well, I got to vote for Hillary because I'm Democratic or I got to vote for Donald Trump because, you know, I just I can't let Hillary in. Well, you don't have to vote for either one of them. There are other people on the ticket. And even if they're not going to win, you can still vote for them because you have to vote your conscience and you have to vote principle. 
You don't throw your conscience away and you don't throw biblical principle away for the party line. And don't buy into the emotional appeal that your your folks died in the civil rights movement for you to vote. Well, they may have died for you to vote, but you're not obligated to vote when you got two chickens put up there that are going to definitely continue to move in the wrong direction. The dialectical process means that. Uh, your thesis or original position might be conservative. Your antithesis or your opposing position might be moderate, like a Bernie Ward, like, I mean, a Bernie um, Sanders. Why will Bernie Sanders get in if he does? Because we're moving further and further and further away from a solid biblical worldview that would elect a real president who not only says he's a Christian, but bears all of the Christian attributes, characteristics, and traits. By the way, I mean, you know, Vice President Pence just has to hold his nose and stay in the background. And even though the media on the right, Fox News and all of these other institutions are cleaning up uh, all of the stuff that Donald Trump has been engaged in by basically saying, you know, um, he was not caught up in any kind of scandal with Russia. Well, that may be very well true, ultimately never able to be caught with that. We've got enough data to know that he was circling around those sharks himself. There's no doubt about that, but nothing to directly implicate him. But, yeah, in terms of what we would as Christians uh, desire in a president in terms of morals and ethics, my sister Faye, her eyes are still open unless some hyper political Christian wants to come along and just blind her again to the fact that Donald Trump has yet to, to bear the actual fruits of a true believer in terms of conviction and biblical principles and commitment to Christ and a legacy and practice of righteousness. It's just true. I'm sorry you can get upset. George W. Bush, same thing. You don't go into Iraq, Afghanistan, do that to people and be led by the spirit of God. You just don't. Sorry. And, uh, you know, when Donald Trump is gone, it'll probably come out. But right now, because politics is such a heated, 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 heated religion for American Christians, we are willing to put in a Donald Trump in order to just make sure that a liberal like Hillary Clinton doesn't get in as if our salvation depended upon it. And it doesn't. So, yeah, you know, um, you can hold your nose, but I haven't had to hold my nose and, and just vote for someone one that I knew just all they did was pick up a Bible during election time and didn't put it back down. Um, now, can God use an unregenerate man? Yes. Can he use an unregenerate woman? Yes. For the good of our country? Sure, he could. Uh, when you look at the Democratic platform, <clears throat> every biblical principle you can imagine across the board concerning uh, the absolute morals of God relative to man's accountability before God are completely slaughtered in the Democratic Party. In the Republican Party, it's, it's riddled with hypocrisy. And what I would call idolatry, the idolatrous worship of the state or capitalism, if you will. The church is in a precarious situation today. So you see that the church is more divided today than ever before on political grounds, more divided. And I can tell you where the division has come. It's not just left, right. It's not just Republican and Democrat. It's not just liberal and conservative, not just liberal conservative or neoconservative or neoliberalism or um, what we would call progressivism, which is where our young people are. 
The division is because we are not devoted to Jesus. And we are not devoted to the gospel. We're not devoted to the word of God. That's where our division is. The division in the church is exposed by politics, but politics is not the cause of our division. The cause of our division is that we don't believe the word of God and we don't practice the word of God and we don't walk in the principles of the word of God. That's where the division comes. Every man's a law unto himself. I think I said it a couple months ago. Every presidential election, I vote for Jesus. And uh, it's superfluous because God already made him Lord and Christ. So we can't vote for him. He can never be president. He's already Lord. He's already Christ. And he rules over every Lilliputian in the world. So it really doesn't matter who's in the White House. What matters is who's on the throne in glory. And does that person on the throne in glory sovereignly control every affair in this world, including the evil and the good? Now, if you have a Bible and you actually believe your Bible, you know that God made all things for himself, even the wicked for the day of evil. And that God raises up the bases of men to rule in the kingdoms of men. And that God frequently will use uh, evil entities in order to put restraints and governments upon his people for their good and his glory so that all things work together for good to them that love God. But Faye, you're you're not obligated to to vote for the lesser of two evils. You have the privilege of voting. That's what our loved loved ones die for. You're not obligated. And I would say never vote against your conscience. That's ridiculous. You and I have the job of being good citizens, loving people, pointing them to Christ, operating out of the mediatorial work of being a priestly kingdom and prophesying prophetically the word of the gospel. We're not we're not called to be entangled in the cares of this world as if we can fix this world. That's a bunch of baloney. Going to take a break. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. I'm going to take my last caller for for today, Rob in Richmond. Rob in Richmond on line three. Are you there? Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm today, great. What's, what's your thoughts as we get ready to wind down? Well, I'm glad that you went into what you went into tonight, um, but particularly how you ended it with, uh, well, not how you ended it with the, the voting thing, although I do appreciate it because I just um, registered to vote most recently, uh, just a couple months ago, I hadn't voted really um, since probably my early 20s. Wow. But uh, but then, uh, I'm, I'm 44 now, mm-hmm. um, but then I went to jail for bank robbery sure, and sure, uh, sure. lost my right to vote. Sure. Um, but most recently got it back and, um, I, you know, I had my record expunged, did everything that I needed to do. Congratulations. back. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. I did everything I needed to do a while back. I'm a record expunged, but then I had no say in um, in my, in voting. Right. You know, right. and um, I have three kids now, and I and I wanted to apologize because last week I was your first caller, mm-hmm. and the topic was on the two men having a child by right. way of right. you know a right. super science project, if sure. you will. Yep. And and I was in a hurry, and I and I just kind of blurted out, you know, some things, and um, and it bothers me because I have three kids of my own, mm-hmm. and then we miscarried last November, my wife and I, really my wife, but you know, as a family unit. Absolutely, I know it. I, I, me and my wife have been right there, um, Rob, right there many times. We ended up having eight, but we know what miscarriage is about. We know. 
Right. And so um, for that to, you know, so that angered me when, when you brought that, that subject up. Sure. Um, because uh, it's, it's just flat out wrong. Right. But moving, you know, moving to tonight's subject. Um, yeah, Jesus is our whistleblower. Amen. Right. He calls us out. Yep. And it's our duty, right, to present the gospel, which is the good news. Yep. But not everybody finds it good news. Nope. Right. Nope. And um, I'm a member of Valley Bible Church, and I was blessed to have you. Um, I was very grateful to have you uh, as our guest speaker come through um, last March. Our men were our men. I think collaboratively, Rob, our men were exceedingly blessed by those two days. It was it was so refreshing. I I got a chance to talk to my guys like for a whole week after that. And everyone to a man was so thankful that they made that event. God really met us. It was amazing. It was an amazing weekend. It was uh, it was a blessing for me because I hadn't been to Valley in four years. Okay. Okay. And 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 so I, I it was a. It, you know, a short story. The 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 miscarriage was a crossroads moment for yep, me. Yep, yep, yep. And Chuck, who you met, yeah, who you know now, yeah. um, was the reason uh, I was actually a part of his life a few years back before the men's conference. And uh, him, me, and a few other men in his life, Chuck was just like, you know what? We need to have a, a men's conference for these young men. And I mean, at the time, I wasn't really young. I was in my mid-30s. That's young, but, brother. Uh, but, <laughs> and you but know what, Rob? We got one minute. <laughs> okay. Uh, to speed it up, uh, you know, Pastor Phil was like, well, get to it, Chuck. And then we had that men's conference. But yep. I want to uphold you and and what you've done ministry-wise. I've been a longtime listener of yours. Okay, okay. And—, and Fast forward to this men's conference, you bringing up Psalm 1. Yeah. Um, I've yeah. memorized Psalm 1 since, and I just want to say thank you so much, uh, because Psalm 1 is, has been a big part of my life in the last couple months. Amen. Um, you know, uh, and we'll get a chance to talk in the future. Absolutely, you man. You can always email me. Um uh, and we're we're family. That's the way it is. I love uh, Pastor Phil, and uh, we're we're brethren. We we've linked arms on a lot of levels. And if you ever need to just you know chat, you can call the office or you can email me, and we can continue, uh, you know, going deep and in, in, in establishing roots and friendships. Because I I really do love our our brethren. I love our men. I think men are an endangered species, and I think you would agree with that on a lot of levels. And that God is calling men men back to biblical manhood. And uh, we need to do it with the level of uh, sincerity and genuineness and uh, candidacy that we had in the conference. I mean, that conference could have went for a week for me because men were willing to be vulnerable. We went there. We dealt with real issues. We were richly Christocentric, soundly expository. But we dealt with our weaknesses and things like that. And I love when God creates those moments with our men because we're all having challenges. Uh, my men at Grace, we deal with them all the time. And uh, and we, we just need to we need to marshal the men together and, and, and hold hands spiritually while we look to Christ. 
um, devotedly and uh, and be healed, uh, you know, progressively by his grace and by his mercy and his goodness. And so, Rob, thank you for that call, brother. Call me anytime. I'm getting ready to wind down the program and I'm going to do it this way. I do want to invite you out if you don't have a church home on Friday. One of the things that I do thank the uh, thank God for in terms of the local church is that where we strive to work together in the incarnational theology of of Christ in you, the hope of glory. We are flawed in our humanness, but we have a great God. And when we can look to the cross like we're doing this Friday, we can have hope that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. If you don't have a place to go, join us. If you do, join them this Friday. And then again on Sunday. And Lord willing, we will talk again on Monday. Until then, keep your eyes on Christ. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.